This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we are having our own Basement Olympics Parade of Nations. Oh, here, coming out of the tunnel right now, representing Afford Anything, we welcome Paula Pant. Oh, and now, emerging from the great land of LenPenzo.com, it's Peekaboo Street. I'm <laughs> just kidding, it's LenPenzo. And here's the delegate from YourRichestLife.com, Katie Brewer. Today, they're tackling online bragging. Should you put your gold medal winning 401k amount online? Also, your money story. What podium-worthy financial advice have you received? Hey, in our Friday FinTech segment, we're going to talk to Andre Cherney, CEO of Aspiration. Think your bank stinks? Andre will explain how Aspiration works differently. We'll also answer someone's bloom call for help and still leave time for my trivia. And now, a guy you just can't trust with the Olympic flame, Joe Saul Cihai. No, you can't trust me at all. Mom does not allow flames in the basement. Hey, everybody. I'm Joseph. See how I average show money on Twitter. And the Olympic party started last night. How fun was that, huh? And uh, here with our own Olympics of podcasts, let's start on My Dad Shortwave across the country in Los Angeles, California, where Mr. Len Penzo is joining the fun. Hey, and you know what? Here's my Olympic. I got to tell you my Olympic story of futility. Uh, this is this has to do with Amazon. I've just been dying to tell you this joke. Can you tell how I just jumped right into this? <laughs> you and did, did a terrible segue. <laughs> I've got to tell you this. So I order actually the the honeybee ordered uh, some batteries uh, via Amazon. They came in the mail. Of course, it's it's a little pack of four little about the size of AAA batteries that came. They're a little different than that, but you get the drift. Yeah. And it came in a box about two hundred sizes too big. Okay, this one package of a few batteries. We open up the box, and there's no batteries at all in the box. It's just None. a little bubble wrap and nothing else. It was basically air. That's what came in the box. It was shipped by the company. So long story short, I went to Amazon. I went to their A to Z guarantee. They didn't give me – I didn't get any satisfaction. Really? So I did find, yes. Yes. It's just I couldn't sign into it. For some reason, there was no way to get to it. Usually, I have been able to do this. So it's not like I'm an idiot and don't know how it works. But in this case, for whatever reason – I couldn't get it. I could not get it. I wrote a comment, uh, responded to the seller telling them what happened. They never responded back. Anyway, so I found an out. I went online, found out, how do I fix this? Somebody said, hey, why don't you just return it? And and I said, hey, that's a brilliant idea. I'll just return the empty box of air back to the guy and get my money back that way. So that's what I just did. So now we're going through UPS, and we've sent the empty box of air back to the vendor, and I'm going to get my money, I hope. This is going to be great. I can't wait for part two of this story <laughs> when the vendor gets the air. That's good. But we'll see. But see what he's paying. He had to pay for shipping the air here. He's going to pay for the return postage back, and then he's going to refund my money. There's a and that lo- was the long story short. I mean, <laughs> yes. Long story long. Yeah, if that was the short version. Okay, Katie, that's enough for you. Well, wait a minute. You're waiting in the wings, Katie. We can't have you talking yet because we have to go first. <laughs> To Las Vegas. She jumped her cue already. 
the, the show's out of hand. There's an asterisk again by this by this podcast. In the desert in Las Vegas, it is our good friend Paula Pant from Afford Anything. Wow, an empty box of air. I don't know if I can top that. I mean, I suppose I live in a box of air insofar as that's what a home is. That's so deep. I, how do you always end up making everything just so deep? <laughs> I mean, don't we all live in boxes of really? air, Really? Yes. Is this planet not just a box of air? All we are is dust in the wind, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who's not dust in the wind? Who's the amazing spark plug of this podcast today? From Your Richest Life Planning and the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's our good friend, Katie Brewer. Hello. I am not dust in the wind. You are Katie not. <laughs> that's, and that's how you introduce yourself, isn't it, Katie? That's usually how I introduce myself. Yes. Thank you so much for um, remembering that, Joe. Well, tell everybody, the few people that haven't heard your 37 other appearances on the Stacky Benjamin Show, exactly about what you do. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm over here in the Dallas area. Um, I'm fee only, which means I don't do commissions. I work with people usually in their 30s and 40s. And I like going on podcasts and making sarcastic comments every once in a while. Which is why we love having you here. Uh, but by the way, can people find you on LinkedIn? They can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like LinkedIn.com slash something, something. Katie Brewer CFP. Yeah, I don't care about <laughs> I don't care about any of that, Katie. I just have to thank LinkedIn for supporting Stacking Benjamins. The best place to find great talent for your hiring needs is LinkedIn. Wasn't that a horrible segue? Businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. For a $50 credit toward your first job post, visit LinkedIn.com slash SB. Not LinkedIn.com slash Katie Brewer. LinkedIn.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn. Also, thanks to Magnify Money. Guess what, Len Penzo? The average person who goes to MagnifyMoney.com saves $450. Wow. I know. Between unnecessary fees that they're paying because they haven't refinanced their debt, they haven't looked at the right financial tools at their bank. If you walk into your bank and you just say, what's the best you got? There's a lot, lot more out there. Recently, we found out that Magnify Money has 92% of all the financial tools that are available in the United States. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money to magnify your money. We are magnifying today's show. That's so I got to come up with something different. But, but we've got we've got a great show for you. First, we have headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our Stacking Benjamins headlines. First headline comes to us from Market Watch. This one is written by Sally French. Get this. People are bragging about becoming 401k millionaires and posting their balances to social media. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. You did see this? This is crazy. The latest sign of investor euphoria sharing your 401k balance has become a thing. The piece says, how are Americans 401ks doing? Just check Twitter. And what many will see is the latest sign of investor euphoria and of our society's oversharing epidemic. Sharing your 401k balance on social media seems to have become a thing. But Paula, we share everything else. Why not share the fact that you've had some financial success? Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I think it does two things. Number one, it motivates the person who is making the investments to keep on keeping on like it you know motivates that person to keep investing and and celebrate their wins and number 2 it also probably motivates or inspires many of the other people the people who are seeing that you know there there are a lot of people who think like oh you know no nobody my age even has a 401k yet. I mean, who starts a 401k before they're 35, you know? And so it probably like putting that information out there probably shows uh, and leads by example, their peers that, Hey, this is what I've done. And you see me, I don't have a fancy car or anything like that, but this is what I've got in my investment accounts. And if that can inspire somebody else to also put more money into their retirement accounts, then I think that's great. But Katie, back in the day, Miss Manners, right, in the newspaper said, never talk about finance. You keep that stuff to yourself. You think this is a case of oversharing? Well, what's kind of funny in this particular article, the guy who was bragging about his $1 million 401k account is a Reddit user going by the name of Subject Beef. So, I mean, <laughs> is that person actually really Good point. Like, sharing with the whole world or are they anonymously sharing because they are going by the name Subject Beef? And yeah, I'm but, pretty sure but, there's no Mr. Beef and Mrs. Beef that are going to be like, oh my gosh, can't believe that our son 
or daughter shared this information on the internet. And now we're going to start getting. I was going to go with subject pork, but it beef, but it was <laughs> it was already taken. <laughs> but down further in the article, Katie, you've got this Cheryl R. Cheryl Raffle R A F F E L. I mean, she's she's sharing her name and talking about her money being up and the amount of money that she has. You know what? I do think it's good for people to actually be open and honest and start having money conversations because money is so taboo still. I mean, it's <laughs> there's been a lot of other things that people talk about before they'll talk about money. And so I'm definitely okay with having money conversations because that makes people actually think about it, whereas it's usually in the back of their mind or it's kind of creating a lot of worry. So I think it's a good thing. But Len, do you worry about, you know, I mean, you don't know who you're talking to online. You know, what's funny is when I first read this, I was like, can you believe these people's bragging about, you know, they got million dollar. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm a personal finance blogger. We're all personal finance bloggers. Almost half of us. I bet you over half of us have already given all that information away anyways, you know? So, and I was thinking, you know what, why not? You know, like Paula said, it, it's motivating for it's motivating for the people who are, are saving and it's motivating. It should be motivating for people who others who can see what can be done. So as well as my deadbeat relatives who would be motivated to ask for a loan if they saw something like, you know, a six figure, seven figure uh, 401k. Yeah. Don't you worry about stuff like that, Paula? Deadbeat relatives might uh, hit you up for loans now that they see how much money you've got. Yeah, that's absolutely a, a huge risk. And it's not just relatives. It's also friends. It's anybody that you encounter. It's Joe. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fellow roundtablers. <laughs> not naming any names, Joe. Uh, Katie, this is interesting to me because of the fact that people share so much, so much stuff online. Do you share your net worth? I actually don't. I don't really care if people know it or not. I just feel like that's not my place as a financial advisor where everybody's trusting me with their information for me to go broadcast mine out anywhere. But, you know, I'm not against it. Yeah. I guess I've never thought of it as that being my role is to tell everybody else what I'm doing. You've seen the numbers though, Len. I mean, some of these bloggers that share their net worth all the time, they, they report that those are some of their biggest blog posts, like most traffic blog yeah. posts. For years, I uh, I've shared my net worth too. But yeah. now I still do, but it's behind a paywall. So if you want to know what my net worth is now, you got to pay for it. <laughs> <Bam>. <laughs> really? I am so Googling this right now. Len Penzo net worth. You got to pay him 50 cents, Paula. <laughs> it's 50 cents. Let's see. 100 words on why tracking your net worth is overrated by no, Len Penzo. What, what SEO is terrible, Paula. Good luck trying to find you. You'll find it. I'm sure if you look at it. What, what, what happens, Paula, if he starts doing that on the podcast? Uh, 25 cents to answer that question, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. not that big a deal, folks. It's you got to think about it. This is paper wealth, and until you pull it out and use and utilize it, you know, it's it's just paper wealth. Yeah. So you know, until you spend it, it's really just numbers. So it can go down just as well as it goes up. I can see how everybody's all braggadocio now, but you know, the market's going to go down too. Let's see how many people are willing to share then. Right, right. Paula, are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I've just found Len Penzo's 2008 State of the Penzo report. Yeah. Oh, hey, how much was it back in 2008? Actually, was, you don't give a number. You just have a pie chart with lots of outflow per percentages. Dazzle them with <laughs> Paula. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it looks like in 2008, 17% of your outflow went towards loans. 7% uh, went to miscellaneous and 3% went to medical and dental. Well, go, go further on. I think later on in life, I, I began showing... Uh, actual net worth. This is like investigative journalism. Yeah, Katie, welcome back to all the hard-hitting topics here on Stacky <laughs> yeah. Benjamins. Like where we sit here and listen to Paula Googling uh, yes. Lynn Pizzo's well, net worth. One thing, everybody, one, one thing when it comes to my net worth, everybody will know they'll be like, well, now we know why that Penzo guy's still working for the man. There it is. <laughs> Our second piece comes to us from Inc. Inc.com. Uh, this is uh, by uh, Jaisea Kalbach and Chris Bear. The brilliant advice this self-made millionaire got at 18 that stuck with her ever since. And she actually, it's a video, so we're, and we're not going to play it here. But Cheryl Eisen, founder and CEO of Interior Marketing Group, called her dad and talks about how her dad saying at 18 years old said, stop being such a victim. And that kind of, that kind of woke her up. And I was wondering, I don't want to go into, you know, this piece and being a victim, any of that stuff. What I want to ask you is 
What's the best piece of financial advice you have received? So Len, let's start with you. Best financial advice you remember somebody giving you? Yep. And I, I'll never forget it to this day. Uh, it's my cousin, Kevin, a CPA who has just recently retired after many, many years. But he, when I was uh, 19 years old, he took me aside and he said, Len, he goes, I want to tell you one thing about debt. He says, when you go into debt, it's a mortgage on your future and you become it's an indentured servitude. You're basically selling out your future for today. And I've always remembered that. And it just stuck with me and it made just a huge impact on me. The debt, you're basically mortgaging your future, your future time, and, and uh, you become a slave. Boy, imagine if more kids got that advice young. Uh, Katie, how about you? Best advice? Yeah. So uh, my grandfather actually owned his own business. It was a sand company. So they actually sold sand. You know, it wasn't really a specific piece of advice, but hey, I mean, he pretty much passed down to me, you hey, know, work hard, play hard. Oh, that was his advice was work hard, play hard. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was nice being able to hear that, but also to see him do that throughout the years as he was working in his company. Yeah. Why did the, why did that piece of advice specifically resonate so much? I think it's just that there are a lot of people out there that will talk about how they're so busy, but they're not actually getting anything done. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how busy you are. It matters if you're generating results. And I think that was kind of what stuck with me throughout the years. Hey, Len, Katie's uh, grandfather sold sand. <laughs> and and they sold it. It's like in the gold rush. It's like, in you know what? You can make fun of that, but it's just like in the gold rush. Who was the people that got the richest in the big gold rushes in Alaska and California? It I wasn't the miners mining the gold. It was the people selling the, the supplies. I wasn't going to make fun of it. I was just going to say that they sold it dirt cheap. <laughs> that took so damn long. That took way longer to set up than it uh, just wasn't worth it. Paula Pant, tell me a story about uh, some brilliant advice you received. I would say probably the best financial advice. When I was in high school, I read the book, The Millionaire Next Door. I've read that book a number of times, but the first time I read it was back then, which, as you can imagine, I was a very fun teenager. Um, but the, the, t the chief takeaway from that book is that in order to be rich, you need to live as though you're not. And that has stuck with me through all these years. And so I'd say that's some of the best advice I've ever uh, received. Paula's best advice came from a book. That's interesting. Yeah, I would have never expected that, Paula. Not with you. I don't see you as a reader at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every everything I've learned, I've learned from reading. Right. I'm a, like a reading addict that's in a big way. No, that's very cool. Takeaways, Len, takeaways from our pieces, bragging about your 401k, money advice you got when you were young. Hey, there's nothing wrong with bragging about what you've earned and all the good things you've done. Uh, but if you're going to do it, be prepared to take the other side too. Like when things go down, why don't you tell people uh, how bad things are too? And uh, when it comes to advice, any debt you take on now, you're just committing your future earnings. So don't become a slave. Paula? I would say... Feel free to share your story online for your own sake, and maybe it'll inspire others and maybe it won't. But hey, people share their fitness goals and health goals online all the time. So why should money be any different? The less we make it taboo, the better. Katie, you're our special guest. We'll give you the last word. Yay, special guest. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've, I like that people are sharing about money. I like that they're having the conversations about money. I would warn that, you know, don't go compare everybody else's story to your story because they're not the same. People always tell the best parts of themselves. It's like that with any social media or blogging. So I do know that I work with a lot of people and some of them kind of feel some money shame. So don't go online and look at how great everybody is doing and then feel ashamed of yourself. You should start where you are. And if you want to share with the world, great. And if you don't, great. Waiting upstairs with mom, getting ready to come down to the basement is Andre Cherney. He is the CEO of Aspiration, also an author, historian, and a former business consultant to Fortune 100 companies, a prosecutor, a Navy Reserve officer, worked in the White House. He's a White House aide, senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. He's done a little bit of everything. But right now, we're talking about 
aspiration. And I was excited when I saw this alternative to brick and mortar banks. So let's hear all about it in our Friday FinTech segment. Andre Cherney coming down to the basement. Hey, Andre, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. Glad you could be here to talk about aspiration. So I love founding stories. I love stories about how some of these new fintech ideas were created. Where did the kernel for aspiration come from? You know, I've uh, been thinking about a lot of these issues that we're dealing with at aspiration for 20 years, going back to my time working in government and as a financial fraud prosecutor and, and working in business. And, you know, about um, six years ago now, I uh, was talking with a a good friend of mine named Joe Sandberg, and he had had a career on Wall Street and, and done well and, and was also thinking about a lot of these issues of how do we bring financial opportunities to more people and how do we make the financial industry more fair and how do we democratize investing and banking? You know, we said, let's see if there's something to be done here. And uh, that was the beginning of, of the journey that became Aspiration. Really, this idea, uh, can you create a financial firm with a conscience? Can you treat people the way they should be treated? Can you create products that help people both make money and make a difference at the same time? And, and that if you can do so, you can actually unlock a lot of important value for people and, and move the needle on issues like inequality in our country and like all these other big challenges that we're facing. I love the fact that we just did a headline a couple of weeks ago, Andre, about how Bank of America is getting rid of some checking accounts that some of the poorest Americans use. And at the same time, Aspiration is picking up something that not just poorest people use. I bet you have people all across the demographic uh, rainbow. No, absolutely. Our, our customers range all across the economic spectrum. They're all over the country. And that's part of what we wanted to do. We wanted to say, why can't you create best-in-class products that are as attractive to very wealthy people as they are to everybody else and make them available to everybody. And so, for instance, our bank account was named Best Checking Account in America by Money Magazine and by NerdWallet and WalletHub and a whole bunch of other people. It has a 100 times higher interest rate than you'll get at a place like Bank of America or Wells Fargo or, or any of these other places. No monthly fees, free access to every ATM in the world, but it's available at a $10 opening deposit. And so it's literally a best of the best product available, not just to the people at the top of the economic pyramid, but from the base of the pyramid on up. And that's the way that financial products should work. It shouldn't be this kind of case where only the very, very wealthiest get access to the good stuff and everybody else either gets the dregs or, or frankly gets taken advantage of. Let's talk about the two different sides. You mentioned a lot with banking, but let's go ahead and start there and connect the dots. I see when I go to aspiration.com, I see a debit card. I see an app. Tell me about banking with Aspiration. Yeah, our bank account is what we call the Aspiration Summit account. And, and as I said, very high interest account, none of the usual fees you get. But it's also part of our Aspiration mission in that it has a big aspect of it about making the world a better place. It's fossil fuel free, which means as opposed to your deposits at just about any other bank out there, those dollars aren't being lent out to fund a lot of the fossil fuel exploration that's happening. It also has something called the aspiration impact measurement that allows you really for the first time to see your own personal sustainability score. And so you can see the impact of your spending on people and on the planet. You're able to look at the different places where you're shopping to see how those businesses are treating their employees or treating the environment. And so it's a really unique bank account that's not only best the best when it comes to the dollars in your wallet, but also helps you make the world a better place. I want to ask you some questions about the nuts and bolts. First of all, up to 1% APY, as you mentioned earlier, FDIC insured account. How are you able to pay 1% when the big banks aren't able to pay 1%? It's an interesting question. You know, part of it is just, look, we don't have the legacy costs of some of the big banks. If you really, really love going to bank branches and you love standing in line and, and doing that, Aspiration may not be the place for you if you're like <laughs> the other uh, 99% of us and you, you'd rather go to like the you know, third circle of hell than go into, into a bank branch, then, then you know, check us out. So we don't have a lot of those costs. But look, here's the dirty secret, which is banks could be offering so much more to their customers. They don't have to be charging ATM fees. They don't have to be charging these monthly fees. You know, you mentioned Bank of America. Bank of America just said we're getting rid of free checking. Everybody's going to have to be paying uh, $140 plus a year 
unless they go through these different loopholes. Now, look, Bank of America just got a gigantic tax cut. Bank of America made $10 billion of net profit last year. They could never charge another person a monthly fee. They could not charge ATM fees. They could give higher interest rate, and they'd be doing just fine. But these banks haven't felt the competitive pressure. And so they've been able to, frankly, not give the customers what they really deserve. Our focus is how do we make our customers so incredibly happy? Our fee structure is pay what is fair. Customer decides what to pay us. If they want to pay us zero, they can pay us zero, get treated the same as any other customer. It's up to us to earn that fee. And that means that not only do we have to live up to their trust, but we have to deliver for that customer. And that's the way we make money based on the customer being really happy and really successful, not on nickel and diming them along the way. I've seen some other companies work that way. Rise comes to mind where it's pay what you believe is fair. How is that working out for you guys? It's been working great. Uh, you know, we've seen the vast majority of our customers choose to pay us, which is pretty uh, remarkable when you think about here is a banking account or investment accounts or retirement accounts really functioning on this basis where you could be not paying any fees, but people are so happy with what they're getting from us that they choose to pay because they know none of this comes free. Right. But they know that as opposed to just charging the uh, fee, whether we're delivering for them or not, we're saying we are going to deliver for you and, and you hold us accountable. And they love that. I find that fascinating and gives me some more faith in humanity. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it really should. Uh, and, and talking about ATM fees, there's ATM fees, none in the U.S., but also no ATM fees overseas. Does that mean no foreign transaction costs either? There are some foreign transaction costs uh, that are just uh, part of the uh, being on the on the MasterCard network. Gotcha. Okay. But in terms of just the amounts that you're paying at the ATM when you're, you're yes. going there and you're getting charged five bucks to go to an out-of-network ATM, right. which is a crazy tax on your own money. <laughs> Uh, none of those exist at any ATM anywhere in the world. Let's go over to the other side of Aspiration, which is the investing side. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we offer some different investment options. Our, our main investment option is our Aspiration Redwood Fund, which is 100% fossil fuel free, 100% firearm free. Invest in companies with very strong environmental practices, employee diversity governance practices that actually are not just being done out of the kindness of their heart, but actually practices that should make that company more valuable and more profitable over time. If you're a business and you're changing your, your light bulbs to be more energy efficient, there's going to be a short-term cost, but you're going to be saving money over the long term. You know, If you're investing in your workers, again, a short-term cost for higher benefits and, and so on, but you'll have a more productive workforce. And, and so we're looking for those kinds of companies We've had two years of, of two full years of track record thus far, beaten the S&P every one of those years, and it's available at $100 minimum. So really, again, bringing a great product to everybody. Yeah, $100 minimums, very un uncommon. What about as yeah. an IRA? Can I do it as an IRA also? Absolutely, absolutely. And then we also have a low volatility investment fund that's more built around the goal of, of slow and steady returns okay. uh, and not getting the kind of big dips that... Uh, you know, the stock market has recently seen. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Has the stock market been volatile at all? <laughs> yeah, just a little. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, it, it'll, it'll go back up. And is it the same way over here, Andre? Do I make money by paying you what I think it's worth? Is there, are exactly. there fees yeah, for no, the? Okay. No management fees, uh, nothing else like that. You pay us the, what the fee you think we deserve. You have a, a slider that goes from zero to 2%. Uh, and so, as opposed to the usual mutual funds, which are, 1%, 2%, 3%. You pick that fee and, and you set it wherever you think is the right place and set it based on how you think we're doing for you. Now, I know there is a blog there. It's uh, the education tab, but I know you guys surely aren't standing still. What do you think's next for Aspiration? A lot more coming up, uh, a lot more financial products that we're building, both on the banking side and on the investing side, as we go forward looking at credit and lending and on all of these other areas where we can really bring products that are not only fair for the consumer, built on trust, but ones that really help them make the world a better place. And, and that's, I think, what a lot of people are, are looking for. Again, people want to be better off financially, but they also know that we have a responsibility to the world around us. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about working. Did, did you physically work in the White House? 
I did, yeah, about 20 years ago. So it's been a few years, but uh, I did. I was uh, very fortunate at a young age to work there in the, in the Clinton White House and um, certainly learned a lot in a, you know, it's a very different time in our country's history. Yeah, but that, uh, that, but that still must have just been I'm, – I'm just thinking about driving up every day to my job at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It must have been just surreal at first. Oh, it was amazing. You never have that moment of, of walking through the – front gates or, you know, walking through that metal detector to, to go in and, and not catching your breath a little bit. And I don't think there's anybody who on a single day that uh, they go work there on, you know, whatever administration, whoever they are, doesn't feel like you're, you're part of something larger than yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of your service. And uh, we will link to Aspiration on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Andre, thanks a ton for hanging out with us for a few minutes. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, God, this opening ceremony parade is just not going the way I'd planned. Nobody can follow directions around here. Joe and OG refuse to carry the flag counterclockwise around the basement. Paula won't do anything but meditate in the corner of her apartment where we're beaming her in virtually via Joe's dad shortwave. God, who gets technology these days? And Len, he just keeps cackling while I'm trying to sing the Swedish national anthem. No, OG, that is not the anthem. That's the Swedish chef from the Muppets. God, well, okay, let's get to the one part of the show that isn't a disaster. Your trivia. Nations compete for the Olympic Games so that they can shine the light on their country. So how much in dollars is hosting the Olympics worth in terms of economic impact to the country? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. Big thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Have you ever tried to hire somebody? If you have, you know it's hard. If you haven't, let me tell you, it's awfully hard because you're sitting in an interview and some people are just great talkers, but what you really want are doers. And it's difficult to know from an interview alone if somebody is the right person or if their resume is correct. So you post to these job boards and you hope you're going to find the right person. But if you think about it, how often do you check job boards? For most people, it's a pretty occasional thing. But there is a place where people go daily to grow professionally and explore job opportunities. In fact, 70% of the U.S. workforce lives there. So that's obviously where you want to be, LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network. Well, it's also a better way to find great talent. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who posted LinkedIn jobs over the past year. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your jobs to potential candidates, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. A business is only as strong as its people and every hire matters. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person will find your role and apply or that you're just going to find the right talker, right? You want a doer. Go to linkedin.com slash SB and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash SB for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler, or is that just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are extremely profitable for large banks, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. 
Hey there, trivia lovers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And good news, I just looked on StubHub, and yesterday's opening ceremony tickets were $550 for the cheapest seats and $6,200 for the most expensive. So we're going to offer tickets to our parade for only $350 each. What a bargain. And hey, listen, I might even get Joe's mom to throw in some brownies if you just PayPal me today. While I'm waiting for the money from that offer to come rolling in, how about the answer to today's trivia question, which was this. How much in dollars is hosting the Olympics worth in terms of economic impact to the host country? While economicists are all over the map, what is it now? Okay, fine. While economists are all over the map, most mainstream experts will agree that the effect of hosting the Olympics is zero. While the Olympics often bring in enough to cover costs, those expenses are so high that the effects are negligible, which is another reason to attend our event. At 350 a pop, this event is sure to be an economic boon for old Doug. See ya! So the closest, the closest was Katie, but the closest without going over, which is the way we play, Katie. Sorry. Wait a second. Nobody told me that. Is is Paula. Paula said negative 20 million. Paula, you're a genius. Wow. I'm just surprised that it even does as well as break even. Isn't that strange? Because that not that the whole reason countries want to host the Olympics is for all of the economic benefit that it brings? I mean, I, I understand why a city that is not yet, quote unquote, on the map as a global international city would want to host the Olympics. So Atlanta or Salt Lake City, I think the Olympics did quite a lot for um, that that bring- city. Yeah, exactly. Bringing more attention to those cities. But when you've got cities that are already well established, like London hosting the Olympics, I'm I'm just shocked that they could so much as break even. Katie, you were the only one that thought that they might make a little money. You said five million bucks. Oh, yeah. I thought there was all kinds of tourism that could at least uh, yeah. counteract all of the trash that people leave all over the city. <laughs> right, right. That's what I thought, you know, too. You know what gets me is Athens, right? That They had the Athens Olympics. They spent all that money on the Olympics, and they had everything right there already. I mean, why did they have to buy new – build new facilities? They had all the – what was the necropolis and all those <laughs> – they could have done everything with what they had. There it what is. Thinking? All you got to do is duct tape the Colosseum. Exactly. Would they have it in, what, what the heck were they thinking? <laughs> the Colosseum's in Rome. But anyway, I get, <laughs> I, get, I get your point. Oh, oh, oh. Looks like someone needs help. All three of those O's are sponsored by Len Penzo. Bloom. Smart, simple 401k management. We had Chris Costello, the CEO of Bloom, on our uh, Stacky Benjamins Live the other day, and everybody watching, whenever they ask a question, they go bloom with like 15 O's. So they're loving your, loving what you're doing. Excellent. But Chris was like, "What the hell's that about?" <laughs> he he had no idea. I think we're scaring the bloom people with this. <laughs> I'm glad to see he listens to your show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Good good point. Do you have a 401k? Remember how frustrating it was deciding what to invest in without professional help? Now there's a better way to grow your 401k. Bloom with three O's is simple, smart, and affordable way to grow your 401k. Go online to stackybedjamins.com forward slash bloom to find out more. With Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps, then sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. With Bloom's free analysis, you can see the impact they can make on your 401k before you pay them a cent and Bloom's one of the fastest growing robo-advisors fighting for your right to retire. Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part of this is remembering there's three O's in Bloom. Go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Bloom and Bloom and enter promo code SB for your first month free and see a difference Bloom can make in your retirement. And today- So, so, so two things, Joe. Since you had the CEO's ear, did you tell him about his code? The uh, the code was too simple? <laughs> yeah. If you're trying to get nobody to use the product- <laughs> And did you tell him about my buddy, Kenny Bloom, back in first grade? I did. I, did, I forgot the Kenny Bloom story. Oh. Well, I was standing with greatness when you've got the CEO of Bloom right next to you. I mean, you know, pitch yeah. yourself. Okay. Not everybody gets to do that, by the way. I Maybe get to- you can introduce me to him one day and I'll tell him about Kenny. Maybe, if you pay me 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> today, today, we're uh, going to help out our new friend, Scott. Say hi, Scott. 
Hey, Joan OG. This is Scott from Idaho. I'm asking this question because I obviously haven't learned anything yet. My parents and in-laws are asking me for money advice, and I don't know what to tell them. My wife and I have been frugal and saved greater than 50% of our income and have paid off our home. Our parents know that we are financially successful and spend way too much time listening to ridiculous podcasts. <laughs> Recently, my parents decided that they had worked enough and called it quits. My in-laws hope to retire soon. This week, they called and asked for my advice on investing. They have approximately $1 million saved and are about 62 years old. I definitely don't feel comfortable telling them what to do, and I don't want the responsibility or that relationship. Both the in-laws and parents have had negative experiences with financial planners and feel they have been taken advantage of. They also aren't excited about investing and don't want to spend a lot of time worrying about it. I'm nervous for them, but don't know how to help. So here's hoping I learned something. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Scott. And, and and I love it, Len, that we have the only show where people insult you and then ask you for advice. <laughs> I know. When I, when I heard that, I was like, uh-oh. It's, no, it's, it's so awesome. It's so funny. Thanks for the question, Scott. So, Len, sticking with you, what do you think? Well, I think the answer is quite obvious, Scott. There's a gentleman on Reddit named Subject Beef. <laughs> and he has there a million-dollar 401k. So I would direct your parents to Mr. Subject Beef. And he even says in that article that he accidentally hit the mark. So if he can accidentally hit the mark, they can accidentally hit it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, honestly, if, you, if, if, if all I can say is if they don't trust financial advisors, then you have to default to the next best thing, and that's – you have to do your own research and do the hard work yourself. That's the only other option I can think of, really. I think, though, Katie, if you have a financial advisor that doesn't dismiss the need for doing some research yourself. Yeah. Now, I think there are a lot of advisors out there that would say, you know, <laughs> that you need to do some research sure. so that you actually know your entire situation. That's kind of a sticky situation because it's like, you know, if both sets of parents see you as the financially savvy one. And it sounds to me like they want to abdicate instead of delegate. So, you know, they're just like, hey, you, you know some stuff about money. So tell me what to do with my money. Yeah. I mean, and uh, that's why, and, and seriously, that's why people get taken advantage of by financial advisors. If you want somebody else to do it for you instead of teach you how to do it more efficiently, I think you're probably going to lose. I totally agree with you. You've got to have somebody that's a partner versus like just trying to pawn it off on somebody else, whether that's a relative or a financial advisor. Yeah. Paula, what do you think? I love the expression abdicate rather than delegate. That's a really good one. I think that says it all. So I think that uh, they should probably see a financial planner. I know they've had bad experience with that in the past, but you know, if you go to a, a fee-only financial planner who has a fiduciary duty, maybe you can help them spend some time shopping around, help them pick a good one. I think that's probably a, a good way to do it because, you know, most likely they're not going to be doing a whole lot of research themselves realistically. So they do need a professional on their side. So maybe help them pick one. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. Just because you had a bad experience before doesn't mean that, I mean, I mean that's like saying, Katie, that I, I had a horrible car, so I'm never going to drive a car again. Yeah, exactly. Being in the financial services industry, there's a really big difference between someone that called themselves a financial advisor and sold somebody an annuity that they couldn't get out of for 10 years versus somebody that's a financial advisor that is only doing advice and who's a CFP and who's fee only. And sorry, I'm going to get off of my high horse here in a second. No, that's fine. <laughs> but no, but what are some of the questions that his parents should ask that people often don't ask you, let's say, that you're surprised people don't ask more often? Yeah, I do think people sometimes mix up a fiduciary with how they're paid because somebody could actually be a fiduciary and they could be fee-based, which means that they accept commissions and they accept financial planning fees. So I think it's important to ask somebody if they're a fiduciary planner, but then also ask them how they're compensated if they're fee-only, fee-based, or commission-based. If they dodge that question, you probably should move on to somebody else. If they're Len, to your point, if they don't want to, let's say they're still not going to go to a financial planner, if they're going to do the research like you're talking about, where do you think is a great place to start? Oh, gosh. Google's your friend. There's lots of places. I don't know. You could go to like to, even to Morningstar or someplace like that yeah. where there's lots of articles and information that you can learn just to begin 
getting familiar with investing. It's a lot of hard work. I, there's a lot of places to start. I, I, that's probably where I would go to start. Yeah, I like I like Morningstar a ton also. I love that recommendation. But you know what's funny is that he says that they don't want to they don't want to deal with it. They're really going to have to though, aren't they, Len? I mean, I mean you can't you can't get where you want to go and not deal with it. Well, that's why I said yeah, it's like you want your cake and eat it too. I mean, you've got to I mean, you're not going to get something for nothing. Some somehow some way you're going to have to expend a little effort. Yeah, or Paula just tell them to start selling sand dirt cheap. Uh, I shouldn't have even gone back to that well, should I have? You're just trying so hard, so hard just, with the dirt and the sand. That's so, that's, Give them a dollar every time Joe makes a lame joke. You would be a millionaire. Be a million millionaire, like two or three shows in. I think it's going to do it. Thanks for the question, Scott. We also get mail. Doug just brought down the mailbag, and we have this letter from our new friend, Julie. Julie says, I'm 46 years old, been with my company for 10 years, a small company, about 40 people on staff. I contribute to the 401k between 10 and 15%, recently at 15%. Now I'm classified as highly compensated as of November 17th with an income of $120,000. In 2018, the company's capping the 401k to the highly comps at 0% from January to June with projected 6% for the rest of the year. That stinks. I'm already maxing out my traditional IRA. What are the best options to divert these funds? Suggestions? Any mediocre tips appreciated? XOXO, Julie. Katie, what are you thinking? Well, so it stinks when you're in that situation because that's your main place to put money away is in the 401k. Just a tiny bit of background. The reason they do that is the IRS code it tries to make it fair. So if there aren't enough people that make under a certain amount that are contributing, then you as a, quote, highly compensated employee get penalized where they have to pull back how much you can put into the plan. That actually, Katie, not to cut you off, and I'm going to come back to you, but I think that's a big point for Julie is she should be she should be talking to people. If there's only 40 people at work, she should be talking to her colleagues about starting to invest in the 401k. I mean, honestly, it's something that I see quite a bit and I'm like, well, you know, if you want to take grassroots, you can start, you know, seeing if you can get some education in there to try to get some of the people that are not quote, highly compensated to start putting some money away. Yeah. <laughs> or if you only have 40 people, see if you can talk to whoever's running the plan, you know, your HR person or whatnot, to see if they can start doing anybody new that comes on gets kind of forced into the plan at a 3% rate. And sometimes that helps as well with the participation in because people are a lot more likely to stick with the 401k if they're automatically opted in, as opposed to if they have to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork to give money away to a retirement plan. Yeah, I love that. Uh, uh, Len Penzo, let's say that she can't get anybody else to put money in the 401k. Where, where does she go? Well, you know what I'm going to say here, Joe? Oh, First boy. Of all, let me, I assume she's got a nice fat 401k right now. She's been putting in 10 to 15% for a long time here, and, and she's highly compensated. I think she's got a, she's probably got a pretty good little 401k balance going here. So if it's 6%, why not try precious metals and use it as insurance for your – insure that 401k? It's really reasonable. It's Right now it's on, it's on sale. So it's you say for a, yeah. a screaming by. So for the six months that she can't put any money in, you like uh, adding a precious metals position kind of as a, yes. as a diversifier. It's a diversifier it, and it's insurance. Look at it as insuring, you're insuring your 401k, you know? So why not? Paula reliably Len goes to precious metals, which means now we get to hear you talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I I'd say uh take out a second mortgage on your home and use it to buy a whole life insurance policy and then use that Lottery to tickets. make a 5 to 1 margin bet on Bitcoin. <laughs> there it is. Uh. No, uh just go with, you know what, when all else fails go with the taxable brokerage account because nobody can ever prevent you from that. Yeah, keep it keep it very simple. I like that idea because it keeps it very simple. This doesn't have to be rocket science, right? I mean, uh, I like this guy, David Chilton, the wealthy barber in Canada, who says, if your financial plan, if you can explain it on a napkin, it's probably too complex. Katie, you like that idea? I do. That's something I actually 
tell people to do quite a bit because it could be used for retirement. But if you need something before then, it could be used for a car. If you need to pay for college, it could be used for college. And there's no like gimmick on it. It's just a brokerage account. So the only drawback is you might have to pay taxes along the way. But, you know, if you do your research and get a mutual fund or an ETF that isn't throwing off a whole bunch of capital gains, then it's not usually a bunch. I know that the annuities, Katie, are a dirty word and usually an annuity is, is full of fees, but you've seen some of these brand new annuities that are really, really super duper low fee. And that's a retirement fund also. You think an annuity is an option for her if she makes sure and minds the fee? It could be an option. I mean, annuities do still come with some of the rules around when you can take it out. Um, so, I mean, it's less flexible than a brokerage account, but it does at least give you that, you know, tax umbrella that an IRA or a 401k would. I kind of say with annuities, there's, it's getting better, but it's still like 95% out there are just like total garbage and somehow have like a 350 page prospectus attached to them that nobody ever reads. And then maybe like 5% of them are actually low fee and you know, aren't going to stick you under a contract where you can't take your own money out for seven to 10 years. Yeah. There's a new company out called Blueprint. I think we're going to have them on the fintech segment who are doing some work in that area that I find interesting, but you're right. That company's getting traction specifically, Katie, because of what you're saying, because it is, it's such a nightmare, the annuity business. Len, anything to add or, or, or just more precious metals on top of the precious metals? No, I, I have uh, nothing. I think precious metals is, uh, I think that's, I, I, I'm quite pleased with that uh, advice. <laughs> he just congratulated him. <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> well, thanks a ton for the question, uh, Julie. If you've got a question for the show, here's what you do. Head to stackybenjamins.com and across the top of our website, it says questions for the show. Click that link and you'll see all the ways to reach us either on the Bloom Hotline or to send us a letter. Thanks to everybody who's left a review of the show. We, we Mom puts those on the refrigerator and we get some hilarious, we get hilarious questions and we get hilarious reviews. Let's talk, let's wrap this puppy up and talk about what you guys have going on. Paula, we'll start with you. What's going on at Afford Anything? At the Afford Anything podcast, I've done an interview with Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter. Shut so- the front door. Oh, it's true. It is totes true. So head on over to the Afford Anything podcast to listen to that one. Awesome. And Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lenpenzo.com? Hey, last week it was all about Miracle Whip. This week it's credit or debit and why it's just the, when you choose between the two, it's just the same as picking salad dressings. <laughs> it's so awesome. Talking about learning not a dang thing. Yeah, guess who I learned it from? <laughs> there, there it is. Yes, well, I'm just. Well, you could pivot into food blogging if you wanted to. <laughs> There's that. Len would... I will say this: I got 34 people enough to uh, to make a comment on it. So nice. <laughs> Len would love being. Wouldn't you love being a food blogger? <laughs> you totally, yeah, you totally would love that. Are you secretly the uh, what's the name of the beef guy on? Yes. <laughs> I think he already admitted it. I, uh, dash B for something. I don't think it's a secret, Paula. I think he's out. Like he's totally out of the closet. Know. It is. It is him. Katie Brewer, thanks a ton for hanging out with us again. Yep, always fun. It's like <laughs> it's like a comedy show, except I'm sitting on stage with the comedian. You're like, oh man, what am I doing back here? <laughs> right. Well, tell us what's going on at your richest life planning. Yeah, I'm on the blog on Your Richest Life Planning. We talked recently about systems to help you set up your money goals. So everybody always talks about, you know, what's your New Year's resolution? That's always the buzzword for the first couple of months. And um, we're just kind of giving you some actual, like, how to move past the resolutions and how to actually set yourself up with systems for success. So that and fun stuff about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, because, you know, everybody loves a good tax article. Uh, Well, this one especially, though, affects so many people. It does. Everybody's still really confused about what came out of it, because I think there was a lot of publicity about the original bill by the House, and then there wasn't very much publicity about what came out of the Senate, and then there was, like, crickets whenever it finally got passed. (laughs) So a lot of people are still scratching their head wondering exactly what 
what got passed. And that's at uh, yourrichestlifeplanning.com. And all of your uh, contact information is also there. We'll link to it on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Guys, thanks a lot for playing. Doug, tell us what we should have learned today. Ah, sure thing, Joe. I'm going to let you and the roundtable get back to arguing about what's the best flag for the parade. I'll tell everybody what we should have learned today. First, want to brag about your 401k balance online? Go for it. It's way better than bragging about your new huge car payment or your awesome pool in the backyard you can't really afford. Let's get the conversation turned toward better money habits instead of spending more. Plus, we're talking about these basement Olympic-themed opening ceremony tickets, which are the perfect gift for friends and family. Second, still with a big bank? Take some advice from Andre Cherney and rethink your banking. Maybe there's a kinder, gentler approach. But the big lesson? Don't ask Joe's mom to help you set up chairs in the basement when she's watching curling. That woman is addicted. Special thanks to certified financial planner Katie Brewer for joining the fun today. You'll find Katie at yourrichestlifeplanning.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of lenpenzo.com. Thanks to Joe and Kathleen for pointing out what business expenses go on a schedule called C, which is probably for celebrate the fact that so many people are going to pony up 350 bucks for these basement Olympic ceremony tickets. How did I find out? I took the course. How to legally cheat on your taxes. Not only was it fun, I actually might have learned something. Might have. <laughs> Want to save lots of money on your taxes and understand them too? Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome back to the after show. I love this piece. There was a gentleman who uh, passed away January 23rd. This has gotten a lot of buzz. Did you guys see this before I sent it to you? No, but I loved it. This is absolutely fantastic. I'm just going to, I'm going to read it because this is a fantastic obituary. Uh, written by his daughter, says Terry Wayne Ward, age 71, of DeMott, Indiana, escaped this mortal realm on Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018, leaving behind 32 jars of America Whip, 17 boxes of Hamburger Helper, and multitudes of other random items that would prove helpful in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Like, how many, how, how many obituaries start with that? Terry survived by his overly patient. I read one one other one that was pretty similar. This is awesome. Terry survived by his overly patient and accepting wife, 
Kathy, who was the love of his life, a fact she gladly accepted sympathy for during their 48 years of marriage. He's also survived by daughters Rebecca, William, Hines, and and Jean, Jeff, Lam, sister Linda, brother Phil, grandchildren Alexander and Hannah Hines, the, the Mesopotamians, uh, Daphne and Aaron Pistello, the Daffer and Peanut. Apparently, these are the names he gave to them. Brendan and Owen Lam, Phineas and Ferb, and Tessa McMurray Smiley. He's preceded death by his parents and says uh, at the end of the people he's preceded death by, it says also uh, a 72 Rambler and a hip preceded him. Terry graduated from Thornridge High School in South Holland, Illinois, where only three of his teachers took an early retirement after having had him as a student. He met the love of his life, Kathy, by telling her he was a lineman. He didn't specify early on that he was a lineman for the phone company, not the NFL. Still, Kathy and Terry wedded the fall of 1969, perfectly between the summer of love and the winter of regret. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go through this. Uh, uh, I'm not going to link to this. Maybe I'll put it on Average Joe Money Twitter feed, but... I was wondering, this is so awesome, guys. What do you want your obituary to read like? Have you ever thought about that? Katie, have you ever thought about your obituary? You know what? I haven't. But as soon as we get done with this episode, I'm going to go write my really funny obituary <laughs> so that people don't have to be all serious about it, you know, when I die. It just say, do that one. Paula, how about you? Is yours just going to have like a book? Oh, geez. Um, well, I'd hope that by the time I die, I will have published a handful of New York Times bestsellers. So I guess my obituary would lead with that. Um, Yours is going to be all damn serious, isn't it? I guess it would just be a list of my accomplishments. Nice. Um, and hopefully that would involve, I guess, writing books, hosting a podcast, having a blog, probably like touching a lot of lives, being, you know, helping a lot of people. Ending world hunger. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm I, sorry. I got carried away. <laughs> <laughs> maybe doing my part in ending world thirst for charity water. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'd like my my obituary to talk about. Would you have a line like this one, Paula? I love this from Terry's obituary. He despised, quote, uppity foods like hummus, which his family lovingly called, quote, bean dip for his benefit, which he loved consequently. <laughs> <laughs> He couldn't give a damn about most material things, and automobiles were never to be purchased new. There's there's somebody after your heart, Paul. He never owned a personal cell phone and had zero working knowledge of the Kardashians. That's pretty good, Len. Huh. I think it's great. You know, another thing besides, it's really hard to say what are you going to want in your obit, but that got me thinking about epitaphs. I mean, now that's something that you can oh, really yeah. get clever with. So I did a little research on some great epitaphs of the past, and there's – if. Folks, you can – and Joe, I'll send this to you. Maybe you can link to this. Mental Floss has a list of 29 – some of them are just brilliant epitaphs that people did. For the, Some were, were pretty – like Rodney Dangerfield has There Goes the Neighborhood. But there, there's <laughs> one on here. I got to share it with you. There, there's He was a cowboy. And the two big loves of his life apparently were were horses and women. And so this is – if you just bear with me, this is his epitaph on his – And there's a picture of it on his tombstone. It says here, two things I love most, good horses and beautiful women. And when I die, I hope they tan this old hide of mine and make it into a lady's riding saddle so I can rest in peace between the two things I love most. (laughs) (laughs) That is so disturbing. (laughs) That is so incredibly disturbing. Oh, man. Somebody's grinning somewhere. (laughs) Well, there's other ones in here, too. That uh, Here's one from a guy named Herbin Harband. He said, my wife, Eleanor Arthur of Queens, New York, lived like a princess for 20 years. This is on, a, on his tombstone. Uh, Traveling the world with the best of everything when I went blind. She tried to poison me. Then she took all my money, all of my medication, and left me in the dark, alone and sick. It's a miracle I escaped. I won't see her in heaven because she's surely going to hell. Oh my, really? <laughs> That's on it. On his, it's right there. On his yeah. tombstone. <laughs> There's 29 of these. You got it. Yeah. Really great. Great stuff. Do you know what I want mine to say? I want mine to say, I left the million dollars under the. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And that's it. Figure it out, guys. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have 
served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.